Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Today, we'll be reading from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to the end of the chapter. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thanks so much, Alice, for reading that passage for us this morning. Uh, Mitch and I were just joking. We felt like just absolute perfect Christians this morning. I found Genesis 1-1 straight away. Didn't need to flick through the Bible at all. So, um, But no, it's um, really cool to kind of open up this passage this morning. Um, So why don't I quickly pray for us, and then we can jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much um, for your creative power. I thank you so much um, for this account in Genesis uh, that we have, and for all the wealth of knowledge that it has to share with us about who we are, who you are, and um, yeah, what it means to be made in your image. So uh, yeah, we just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit will be with us now. Um, we pray for people with burning questions at home, that they would uh, be encouraged and uh, emboldened to yeah, be brave and just shoot through those questions, and uh, that we would have a conversation this morning which is edifying of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Mitch, second week that we're doing a bit of a a chat about Mitch's favorite verses. (laughs) So Genesis 1, and I think we might maybe be looking a little bit at 2 as well. A a little bit. Just just about the role of humans in the garden. So, you know, don't feel your questions have to be limited to Genesis 1. Uh, We're kind of looking at the broader creation story as well, but um, this is a kind of part of the Bible which I really love. Why is this, Mitch, one of your favorite passages of Scripture? Uh, so I've actually got a bit of show and tell. Ooh. So this is a book called The Window. Uh, it's a book which kids love because it has no words. 
And basically, it's the window is oh, you probably can't see because it's too far away. It's a diorama of a house from a window, and each year as the boy gets older, the nature around him gets progressively urbanized. Mm. So I was exposed to this book in kindergarten, and my favorite part of this book was the first page where the backdrop is nature. Mm. And so even as a child, I had this real deep sense of God's creation is good. Growing up in the Blue Mountains, just loved the bush. Uh, I think it's the most biblical thing is to worship God in the bush, in nature. Rachel and I, we didn't get married in a church. We got married in a garden. We were like Adam and Eve. We did the, the first marriage in a garden. We're, and so all my life, I've loved the creation narrative. Mm. Just something so beautiful and wonderful mm. about it. And yeah. so that's why. It's a reminder who God is. That's He's creator. Awesome. That's awesome. And, and don't worry, guys. I have have seen the wedding photos. There were clothes as well. But um, <laughs> I think that it's really interesting because I, likewise, with M, was planning to get married outside until Rain had other plans. But one of our Christian mates at the time was like, what? Like, I thought you guys would have gotten married in a church. And he was almost like dumbstruck by this idea that we as Christians wouldn't get married in a church and we're going to be married outside. So I think that like this is a really interesting idea when we start thinking about what does it actually mean for us to interact with nature? What is that experience with us and, and church and a building and, and a temple in those days? What, what is, what is this, this connection for you with sort of a creation, a, a environment, a beauty that God's mm. created and this idea of, of God's temple, God's, yeah. God's church? Uh, what's, that, what's that connection okay. for you? I'll, I'm going to nerd out here for a Please, sec. Nerd so out. I'm going to teach you all a Hebrew word. Adam. Very easy. It means man. And now Adam is made from the Adama, the ground. And so fun functionally, we're earthlings. Our, our existence is tied into the ground itself. Hmm. And so that fact and the fact that uh, as the scriptures were read, that we are called to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, the earth. There's this strange partnership which i just cannot get my head around is that god created this world in his glory and majesty and guess who's left in charge to rule it mm. in partnership with god mm. humans mm. uh and and that's one of the functions of being made in the image of god is that we're called to care for this earth and if you read through genesis um particularly chapter two and they're adam and eve are in the garden and then they're kicked out of the garden it, there seems to be this implication that Adam and Eve, as the first humans, were called to spread Eden. Mm. The more kids they had, the more <laughs> fruitful they were, spread Eden's borders out. Mm. Spread shalom to where it goes, in partnership with God. Yeah. And, that, and as the church, we take that role. We have that role to care for the earth around us. And that's why I love being here at Dural. Look at the window. <laughs> Trees everywhere. Not blessed. a building in sight. <laughs> <laughs> no, we it can sometimes feel like we are still living in Eden at the center general <laughs> a little bit. But um so with all of this, God's kind of creating, creating something, creating something mm. to point towards what our role almost yeah. is in mm. it. Um, but I kind of love for me as, you know, a bit of a theater nerd as well, there kind of almost feels like God's setting the stage a little bit, yeah. right? Yes. So like we're kind of starting off with, with, with chaos here. We're starting mm. off with darkness and, and, and no form. Yes. Um, what for you does that sort of mean as we're working through Genesis, we're starting with chaos and moving towards something else? Yeah. 
So, chaos in the ancient world. We're going to have to nerd out a bit there. There was this perception in the ancient world, and Josh has a slide. That might be helpful for people to see. The ancients saw the world as a dome, and it had like what was called the firmament, like this protective barrier. Mm. Um, So, you had heaven, firmament, like the protective barrier, earth, and then under the earth. There was a place called Sheol chaos Mm. darkness and so the sea represented evil there was this view that the world was covered in this primordial sea Mm. and in the sea lived fearsome dragons beasts and creatures Mm. and it's interesting if you look at the other ancient near eastern that's the technical word for the ancient world the ancient near eastern creation myths it's all about the gods fighting these fearsome sea dragons these creatures of the sea to bring Mm. order Mm. but in genesis we get here God's spirit hovering over the waters. Then God speaks. Mm. And chaos is brought mm. under control. And so all, all of that is really to say is that God is a God of order. He creates a functional world. And he wants to for us to partner with him to spread that function, that, that order. Mm. To, for people to know he is the ruler mm. and that he is the one to create this good world. Mm. Well, we've got a, Thomas, uh, a question from Thomas rather here. Um, and please, thank you for the questions so far. We will uh, try to answer all of them as we go through this morning. Um, so please keep on sending them through. But Thomas asks, um, with all of this sort of out of chaos bringing order, um, what um, is oh, the seven days, I'm butchering this question. Was it seven days literally or was the creation longer? Ooh. And then he says, this is a Thomas question. Sorry for the random username. <laughs> Um, I'm going to answer this by not answering the question. There is a brilliant Old Testament scholar called John Walton, mm. who his expertise is ancient Near Eastern studies and showing how the Bible is an ancient Near Eastern document. And so I, I went to see a lecture here his once, and he says, Genesis 1, it's like a play production. Mm. You like this. Mm. So, and he says, okay, so say you've got tickets to go see this play and you arrive late. And you ask the person next to you, how did the play begin? Mm. The person next to you is not going to go, oh, this script was written by blah, blah, blah. This stage was built by this building. You're going to say, no, this character did this and this is what's happened up to it. Mm. And so his, his argument, which I really like, is that this is not a description of the material origins of the world. Mm. This is a description of how God is supreme. Mm. He he's, doesn't have to fight monsters or other gods he speaks and creates there's order there's rationality there's another thing too and this is what's just phenomenal about this text Mm. is that it's all about seven and temple Mm. now there's a another commentator i'm not smart enough to know this stuff there's a you're pretty smart i'm not that smart but there's a there's an old italian hebrew commentator by umberto casuto who in the early 20th century wrote this phenomenal commentary and he noticed that so you know how we got the chapter divisions? Mm. That, that's just artificial. He says Genesis is, revolves around seven. Mm. Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew has seven Hebrew words. Genesis 1.2 has 14 Hebrew mm. words. There's a whole bunch of other things I wrote down here. Oh, Genesis 2.1-3, 35 Hebrew words. They're all multiples mm. of seven. The word God appears 35 times, earth 21 times, heaven 21 times. Let there be seven times. God saw it was good seven times. Mm. All this is to point us to the seventh day. Mm. Now, unfortunately, if you read your Bibles, you get to the end of chapter one, it's the sixth day, and we kind of stop there, and then chapter two begins. Actually, 
chapter 7 is the important part because that's where rest is. That's where God and humans can live in perfect unity in Sabbath rest. So, answer that question, is it 24 hours or is it long? Uh, I don't know. You're not God. I'm not God. Um, <laughs> News there's, 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 I've heard arguments from both sides. Yeah. I grew up in a church which taught it was 24 mm. literal hours, that the Hebrew word yom, which is day, mm. means day, but there's other issues. Mm. Uh, but that's not what Genesis is talking about. Yeah. We're, we're to point to the end goal, which is humans yeah. living with God yeah, yeah, yeah. in this perfect yeah. Very good world. I'm not going to lie. It, it blew my mind as I've kind of started studying at Mauling this year to find out um, that it's a large percentage, maybe even all so far that I've come across, of like the lecturers who all are, you know, PhD qualified Jesus loving Christians um, are really leaning towards this idea that we should be engaging with Genesis um, in this idea of identifying the poetic themes in it identifying the poetic beauty in it. Um, and I, I, I know one um, of my teachers said, if you sort of, you know, spend all of Genesis trying to, you know, prove that, you know, the earth is so old or, you know, that this is true or this is true, you know, it, you've kind of just missed the point of Genesis, mm. right? You, you kind of like gone off the topic of, of, of the beauty that God is giving, the, the sort of perfection. Um, but you mentioned something which I'd love to touch mm. on. I think maybe something which is a really relevant topic mm. for us now, as we're in lockdown, as work and rest is somewhat mm. blurred yes, <laughs> and it is yes. hard to get that delineation. Yes. Um, what, what is this seventh day pointing to? What is, what is the importance yeah. of rest that we're reading here in Genesis? Okay. So again, I'm going to nerd out again. Yeah, please. So when we read, and God rested on the seventh day, what do you think of the word rest? We often think we're tired, Mm. but a better word is ceased. God ceased creating, not because he was tired, but because creation was finished. And so the idea that of Genesis, it's teaching us is that now that creation is finished, humans can fulfill the function that they were designed to do, Mm. which is, as we read, there to go out to fill the earth, subdue it, and to have dominion over the fish and the birds, etc., and so forth. Mm. Genesis 2 has this really cool, it's a pattern in the Bible, it's called six plus one. You have six events, Mm. one more, seventh. Mm. It's something that's really good. Mm. It's even enshrined in the Ten Commandments. We work for six days, we have a, a day off. That we are designed to work. Mm. That's it. Adam and Eve called to work, mm. but to have rest. And so this idea of lockdown, this is why people are really struggling because we have this no, no real concept of work, rest, it's all blurring. The biblical model is six days of work, one day of rest, one day to enjoy the Sabbath that mm. God has given us. Mm. And ultimately Jesus fulfills that. And so we still live in an imperfect world, but I guess right now in lockdown, it's about trying to create systems and Mm. structures that can help us experience Mm. that rest Mm. and not to waste time. Time is a gift that God has given us. Could you almost say in the darkless order, like chaotic form of our house at the moment, as image bearers of God, we should be trying to create a little bit more order. Mm. And in that, Yes. Prioritize rest as part of that. (laughs) So look, we're talking so much about all of these sort of like poetic imagery and poetic motifs that are happening throughout Genesis. So I think it is a really pertinent question. And I think one that we probably don't ask enough. Um, I'm going to just try and find it here from Mark Wilson. Um, Look, I pretty much remember it. It was Genesis. Is it poetic? Mm. Is it historical? And does it matter? 
I think that's an matter. interesting yes, part of the question as well. Um, is it poetic? Yes. Is it historical? Yes. Um, if again, nerding out. I, I love nerding out. You know, you know. Yeah, it's going to be on our tombstone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, the Bible is selective history. It's a history about a people group, Israel, and how they're called to fulfill this task that Adam and Eve were originally given. Mm. And so Abraham, when he's called by God, he, he fulfills that role of Adam. Mm. That's what he's people. He has all these children to go and be a blessing upon the whole world. And so Adam is a representative of humanity mm. he is the one he he's and jesus too he is the true adam the second adam as the apostle paul says and so in a sense if genesis is not historical well then it leaves us with issues of salvation god's mm. purposes for humans um i think too as i've kind of touched on briefly it's not the idea of not teaching us 24 hours or longer it's not a yeah, scientific yeah. textbook yeah. but it's historical in the sense that there was a god mm who created this world, yeah. who created humans yeah. in his image. And so that's the historical part. Yeah. How, how the details sort of nut out, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. up for debate. And yeah. very, very smart men and women, much more than I debate over this, yeah, but yeah. it's historical in the sense there is a God. He overcome the chaos, mm -hmm. created this beautiful world, yeah. left it to humans, and guess what the humans did? They stuffed it up. <laughs> <laughs> so... Speaking about humans and, and stuffing it all up, <laughs> what, what does it then mean then if we've got this, these two characters of Adam and Eve who are supposedly, it says in the, in the you know, word of, mm -hmm. of the Bible, they were created in God's image mm. and yet they stuffed up. Yeah. This is an interesting idea. Like what, what does it really mean to be created in God's image yes. for Adam and Eve? And, and, and what, what are we learning about in Genesis okay. when we look at that idea? There's a whole bunch of different philosophical and theological arguments about what it means to be in the image of God. Yeah. But if we look at the context here, it's about ruling hmm. um, uh, and about representing God in a sense. So God is, let's, let's use the analogy of a landlord. He is the landlord over the whole earth. Humans are the tenants. Hmm. We, in our human form, represent God and perform functions like God of ruling and subduing and even creating. Mm. Uh, but there's another thing too, tied in with that imagery of temple, which we touched on before. Mm. And Genesis just has so much packed sure. in there. Uh, you fill a temple with images. Mm. So the, the Hebrew word for what we call image of God is selam, mm. which can also be idol. Mm. So it's also used of idol and images. So yeah. it, another way of looking at it is we are the idol yeah. of God. And so it's this powerful reminder as we're living with each other. Well, I look at you, Murray. Mm. I look at Brian here. I look at Thomas. You're in the image of God. It's also this reminder we have this call to rule mm. over the world, mm. but also to, to remind us who is in charge. Mm. It's God. This is his world. This is his temple. Mm. And so that's, so that's how I see the image of God, this cool reminder. Yeah. God's in charge. Yeah. Also this reminder too, God's given us authority yeah. over this world. Not to abuse it, not to yeah. abuse each other, but to rule in a way that mirrors him mm. as his image. Yeah. That's really cool. I think for me, like 
sometimes when we start talking about icons and images, like my heresy bell starts ringing a bit. I'm like, oh, like, aren't we supposed to not have icons? Aren't we not supposed to have images? And I think that one thing which, you know, I've sort of been discovering recently around all of that really interesting motif is we look at, you know, in, in, um, the design of the actual temple that Solomon builds, there are like, there are cows out the front of it, right? And it's not this idea that, you know, there shouldn't be any statue of any animal or any person. It's when you bow down and worship it and start seeing it as a God. It's not this idea that, you know, we can't have a talented sculptor sculptor make something beautiful. We can't have images, you know, of, of beautiful trees and, you know, people together. It's this idea of once we start down, bow down and worship and lose sight of God, God in it. And that's why God has no image. Yeah. He's imageless. Yeah. So in this strange sense, we have that image and yeah. Yeah. But, but God, we worship a God that's invisible. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's significant. And even to a Jewish sort of, you know, group of believers, kind of nameless a little bit mm. as well. This idea yeah. of not even wanting to speak his name, having so much sovereignty. You don't say Yahweh, you right. say Adonai, <laughs> yes. which is what we have in our English Bible's Lord yes. in uppercase letters. So. Very cool. Mm. So with all of this, we, we've been looking at... A, us as image bearers of God. We've been looking at Genesis and the Garden of Eden as, as mm. this almost early temple. Mm. And, and, and you know, Adam and Eve are, I suppose, given the, uh, the, the, the mission to inhabit it and to, you know, rule and subdue it. What does this passage now mean for us today then? Okay. If we are, you know, to, to, to look at this as informative of, of what it means for us to now be in a relationship with God and how he designed mm. us, what is this idea that, that we can take moving forward? Yeah. Well, firstly, as we've, I said before, it's this powerful reminder that God is creator. Like that's always at the forefront, mm. should be at the forefront of our mind. If God is creator... He can also set the rules. Mm. And we haven't touched on Genesis 2, but what's the one rule in the garden? Hey, don't eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. God can set the rule. And, and even too with, with creation itself, look at the separation. Sea, sky. Even, oh, day one, we've got let there be light. Day and night, time is separated. There are boundaries. And if you cross those boundaries, that's when chaos comes back in. Mm. And so... We remember, if God is creator, he knows what's best for us. Yeah. And humans tend to cross those boundaries time and time again. So this is a powerful reminder. Hey, God knows what he's doing. Mm. And at the beginning, it was good. It wasn't mm. just good. It was very good. Uh, secondly, too, because we're Christians and we live in the New Testament era, New Covenant era, Jesus is the true image of God. Mm. And the language is never used in Genesis, but for the original readers to see Adam and Eve living in a garden setting and with the seven-day structure of Genesis 1, it's a temple. They're called to be priests and to be kings. They're, they're rulers. And now Jesus has that role. He is a priest and he is the king over the world. But also, too, we as his followers... We are also a priesthood. Mm. In fact, 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, mm. a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Mm. It's creation language there. Yeah. From darkness to light. Mm. I have a final quote here from John Walton, which um, Josh will put up there on the screen. 
So Walton argues is that, and I said it a bit earlier, that the idea is Eden was to spread out mm. across the world. Now we have that role as the church. We, as God's hands and feet, we, we, have, we are image bearers. We're also called to rule and to subdue. But unlike in the Old Testament where they did it with violence, like in the book of Joshua, we do it with the gospel of peace. Mm. It's amazing that when Jesus sends out his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, mm. he was calling us. He doesn't use that language, but Peter taps into it, a royal priesthood. Mm. We go out to spread Eden. Shalom. We talk about this too. We want churches yeah, yeah, to be a yeah. place of shalom. And so that means all the society should be transformed. The church should be at the forefront mm. of racial issues, mm. environmental issues, any issue really. We should be at sure. the forefront because if we understand our calling as a church, it's not just about winning souls. That, that's a critical component. Mm. It's about transforming society. Mm. And ultimately, like, that society can't be transformed until Jesus comes mm. but that's what we're called as a body of believers is to sense with the image of god that we possess mm. to ensure that others can live in the image that god intended them mm. to be in i really love that image i think it's so easy when like we're thinking of, of eden and thinking of a church to think of it with you know the, these real set boundaries you know mm. that people can come into right and we go out of but i love this idea that we now are called to expand eden mm. and in that make it even more inviting make it even more welcoming make it even more i suppose experienced by by you know the people around us yeah. so that's so good awesome yeah. well mitch thank you so much and thank, yeah, thank you, you so much for all of the questions thank uh you. would you like to quickly close I would, in prayer i'd love we'll to pray into a final yeah. song lord we thank you for your word uh, we just thank you for this powerful reminder in genesis that at the beginning you bought light in the darkness you brought order into the chaos and lord we thank you that each and every one of us bear your image and just what a special and unique privilege that is and we thank you that you've revealed yourself to us in the perfect image of god in jesus christ for us to receive salvation and lord i just pray that as we go out and particularly in this lockdown period where work and rest can be blurred where it can feel that we're not living the purposes that you intended to be reminded that lord that at the beginning darkness was overcome and that you've promised in your word that darkness and evil will be defeated through jesus christ and so lord just help us to live as people who represent you to be your hands and feet wherever we've been called and so god we thank you for this in jesus name Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.